Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the City of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Last week, my uh, text that I preached from was from uh, St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, Romans chapter 5. And my big idea, if you recall, was that the gospel, God's agenda, is to save sinners. And that agenda is different from our agenda in politics, which is typically to save ourselves and those like us. And as a result of the gospel, because of the person and work of Jesus Christ, God is at peace with you. However, in our gospel reading today, Jesus says some things that, if we're completely honest, they sit a little hard on the ears. Do not think that I have come to bring peace, but a sword. Whoa, sounds a little like religious extremism, and we've all had enough of that, you know? Whoa, that statement just seems so un-Jesus-like. What is Jesus doing here? Well, what Jesus is doing here today in our gospel reading is he is articulating to the disciples uh, the actual, in a real actual sense, the cost of peace. Now, all of us actually want peace, don't we? We want peace in the world. We want peace in our communities. We want peace in our families. We want peace in ourselves. However, the issue is, is that we want peace on our terms. We seek peace by making other people villains. It's the Democrats' fault. It's the Republicans' fault. Those people that voted for Trump, it's all their fault. You know, we seek to make peace by gathering people onto our side. My friend Nadia Boltz-Weber once said, if you ever find yourself on one side of a debate, guarantee Jesus is probably on the other. We seek peace through avoidance. I mean, how many of us have uh, not spoken to a former friend or a member of our family because we keep avoiding the kind of the elephant in the room? We'd just rather sit with that than actually be truly reconciled. We seek peace through our accomplishments and our wealth. If we can just get that right amount of recognition, that attaboy, then we'll have some peace. Some of us think we'll find peace through the bottom of a glass, some sort of appeasing an addiction. And you know, at our sister church, Calvary, part of the parish, their ministry with AA has been deeply involved in debunking that myth. I know for me, sometimes it's just easier to find peace behind the computer screen mindlessly checking out your lives on Facebook. (laughs) But anyway, uh, or, you know, kind of curating mine and, uh, you know, my perfect life and my beautiful kids and all of this and what we ate for dinner yesterday. But this is my first point. We seek by ourselves, for ourselves, peace. We want peace on our own terms, don't we? The truth is, is on our own terms, though, there is no peace. And the truth is, is there can be no peace on our terms because the horizon is constantly moving. Those things that we think will bring us peace, they're constantly eluding us as they fail to live up to our expectations, as they fail to actually save us. And on one level, I'd love to right now give you a recipe on how to fix it. However, sometimes the only thing to do is recognize it and ask for forgiveness. 
ask for God's grace. For it is in that petition that we can begin to understand what Jesus is talking about in our gospel reading today. You see, in Jesus' day, the familial relationship was literally everything. And you go to certain parts of the world, and this is still very true. This is where one found their peace. The stability that came with the son living for and representing his father and his father's interests. The peace that came from a mother taking care of her daughter or the daughter-in-law taking care of her elderly mother-in-law. The idea that one's foe would actually come from a familial relationship, from a household, was completely offensive because a solid household, a solid lineage was your peace. However, Jesus is also, I think in this passage, speaking prophetically to 21st century Americans who love to find their identity in absolutely everything and define themselves all the time. And he makes the point here that even our own identities must ultimately die. I've heard it preached, whoever does not take up their cross and follow Jesus is not worthy of Jesus. As if it's some sort of noble choice. This theology of glory where Jesus is teaching, hey, toughen up and choose to take up a cross. That is not a correct preaching of this text. Because to everyone hearing Jesus teaching, take up your cross and follow me, they would have thought this guy is out of his mind. I mean, Rome would line up the streets outside of your village with people hung on a cross. This was a horrible way to die. They and we all know how brutal the cross was. No one ever thought, gosh, take up my cross? That sounds like a good idea. You know, I think I'll give it the old Harvard try. No, this is like no choice. A cross is actually flung on your back. The cross is not the little inconveniences of life that we kind of push through on. Rather, instead, to grasp what Jesus is saying is actually the key to and the heart of the Christian faith. Jesus is telling his disciples and all who would follow him that to have real peace everything we are and everything we have in this life must be nailed to the cross with Christ. Oh, that's heavy. I don't like this word. But we must literally become nothing so that Christ might be everything. And we must stand, and he must stand above and in the breach between all things. He must do that because Christ on the cross is our only peace. Christ on the cross is our strength. Christ on the cross is our reconciliation with ourselves and our family and ultimately with God. And Christ on the cross is our courage as our crosses are flung on our back, following him to finally discover who we truly are. Beloved children of God, this is my second point. Christ must be at the center. Christ must be everything, not high on a list of priorities. Once heard it said it's like Jesus, family, work. Like, no, it's Jesus. It's Christ and his cross. He must be central to all things. 
Christ must get in between father and son, mother and daughter, between each and every one of us, so that he might bind us together in his lasting peace, which comes by the shedding of his blood. For to lose your life in this world for the sake of Christ, to die with him as St. Paul articulates in our Romans reading, and be joined in his death and resurrection through baptism is to find the one real life who is life. And let me tell you, this is no cheap life. This is no cheap peace that Jesus is speaking here. It comes by way of only the gospel. It comes by way of a God who knows that we want peace desperately, a God that knows that we want life desperately, and on our own we have no idea where to truly find it. As a matter of fact, we'll look for it in all of the wrong places. We'll look for it everywhere but Him. Yet real life and peace comes by the way, by way of the God who still loves us anyway. The God who loved us first. The God who loves us so much that even the hairs on your very head are all counted by him. The God who loves us first. Remember that we are given the peace of God in this life. Remember that as we take up our crosses in this life, Jesus first. His cross came first, then your cross. He was pierced by the sword first. Then you're pierced by the swords of this life. His death comes first, then your death. It was for the sake of our sin and our salvation that he came under the curse of the law and that he refused the easy piece of compromise with this world. And this is my third point. Jesus first. It was for our sake that Jesus was divided from his Father in heaven on the cross, which caused Jesus to experience the God-forsakenness of our humanity, the darkness of God's wrath, and the suffering of our sin. Jesus took up his cross to lead humanity through death to life. And when we begin to understand this, we begin to understand what St. Paul is talking about in Romans 5, is that as a Christian, and we're not living to die... We're dying finally to truly live. That's the only way for a sinner to live before God, to have real peace with God, to die with Jesus. Not simply to die, because we're all going to do that, but to die with Jesus. That's at the heart of Christianity too. It's not about your best life now. It's about getting ready to die well to take up your cross and follow Jesus in the way that he goes, namely through death into eternal life, where at the end of time we will hear him say, peace be with you. However, for now, in the midst of the trials of life, in the midst of death and the chaos of life, we hear that word through a sermon. We hear it gathered around this table in bread and wine. Peace be with you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, 
you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.